0: Say what we say, we do what we feel. We gotta keep it real in the railroad. All about the craft of screenwriting. <laughs> Fill my bottle up with lightning. In up in the, the red room. Before the stars can be paid, they gotta be a dope ass story on the page. Let the beast about the cage. That light up. Get Inferno from an itty bitty spark coffee shop hustlers, rise with the cream, a million of the writers, same Hollywood dream, your pen and paper, all they bullets in the gun, write what you feel, say. So, look, if you
1: guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guess, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, well, we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Lisa? 2016. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So, you hear a voice. My girl, Lisa Bola Kaja, mm-hmm. a.k.a. The Street Nerdist. Yes. A.k.a. Yuhura.
2: Yes. A.k.a.
1: Storm. Okay. <laughs> a.k.a. Michonne.
2: <laughs> wait, wait. He's saying that because I'm wearing my t-shirt that has all the black genre characters. We got Zoe on here, Martha mm-hmm. from Doctor Who. So, hello, fam. Yes, yes. Yes. Good to be here. Good to be back. Um, This is going to be an interesting episode. Yeah. Because I think we're going to talk about a couple of things. But first things first... Uh. It was something I was discussing with you just a few minutes ago before we started taping. We were We were... <laughs> um, as I told you, I think on the last episode, uh, maybe two previous episodes, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about when Tyler Perry's boo,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I told y'all Halloween. wanted to see it. Yes. <laughs> and, and you were like, what? what? I'm surprised. because <laughs> most. I'm going to tell you, because most black men I talk to mm-hmm. uh, always say they don't want to go see a Tyler Perry movie. Mm-hmm. And... You know, even though I have my criticism that's just purely from art, an artistic and, like, you know, a writerly point of True. view, the one thing I can say about Tyler Perry, I always give him his big ups. One, he created his own brand yeah. from from out of nowhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know, he has his own studio. He's doing his thing. He's doing the type of films that he knows how to do best. And there's an audience for it. Definitely. And um, I went and took my mother yeah. to go see it. And the audience, packed. All ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much did all, it do? I'm looking at the Variety. Yes, million the dollars? opening and this is so funny. This is in Variety box up, Medea Halloween edges out Jack Reacher Two with 27.6 million. Wow, it made 27.6 million. Hmm. Okay? okay, and it only been open what, just a week, a couple days. Hmm. So, but well, it's okay. gonna come out about another week. So, yeah, it's yeah. Be- <laughs> um, you know what's interesting yeah. because when I watched it, the one thing I did notice that stood out in it there was a lot more cursing in it than usual. Than usual. Because I don't. I'm trying to. There might have been like maybe one or two maybe bad words that were used, mm-hmm. but. In this version, um a lot a lot more. And it, it, it the only reason why I noticed it was because the audience had so many like family oriented people. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it was people were still laughing mm-hmm. and cracking up and having a good time. And yeah, it has its moments. I mean it's come on, it's Medea. Yeah. You know, and Medea, as much as people talk about it, the character cracks me up.
1: Dude, I'm gonna tell you, dude, yeah. I haven't I haven't watched a Tyler Perry movie probably since the first one or two. Oh gosh, love but, the plays. But oh. I find myself when I do watch the one and two that I've seen, I'm fast forwarding just to get to Medea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the last one I might have saw was Medea Goes to Jail or some shit or whatever right, the fuck right, it was. Right, right, And I just, whenever he's on right. or she's on, then I, otherwise I just fast forward.
2: Yeah, you know, and it's, you know. Medea's in this one a lot. And I, what I loved about it too, that I thought was interesting, um, too, when I was looking at the credits, mm-hmm. I noticed, okay, it's Lionsgate and it's, all, I don't know why I'm whispering. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't want Tyler Perry to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Because he like, next
1: to know, own, know, so he might come to no, the no, drive. Saying, what right? I
2: noticed, because you know, a lot of times when I'm looking at it in terms of funding, because you know, Tyler Perry has his own mm-hmm. studio and he's always been partner with Lionsgate. But here's something interesting I noticed in the credits, because that's why you need to be paying attention to credits in the beginning <laughs> of the movie and of the movie, uh, he had parted up with, um, I want to say either, either it was it either a Japanese or a Chinese production mm-hmm. company. Oh, Okay. So, and I, my first thought was so are there going to be some Asian characters in here? Like, is he trying um, to market out? Mm-hmm. But I think, I guess they finally realized this man's making money. We need to get on, on it. So oh, I'm like, mm-hmm. Hey, interesting. Yeah. But also there was a lot of, um, it was a multiracial cast. Really? Yeah. I was like, it wasn't just the Medea in the hood kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, the stuff that I, I love because mm-hmm. there's nothing like, it just reminds <laughs> me of growing up with those type of people, sure. you know, but it was like, really, um, a lot of the characters were just, you know, multicultural, um, it was just the fun movie. there any movie. aging characters? Uh, I don't think. Maybe in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, no, you know, it is what it is. It was fun. And I always like going because it's like family entertainment. And like I said, there's, there's joy in watching people have a good time in the theater. Mm-hmm. And real, like, they were like raucous. Li- and there were times when I was, I was busting up <laughs> with some of the stuff they were saying. Cause some of the stuff they were talking about, especially in terms of raising kids, mm-hmm. and not to give anything away, but there's a character, uh, Medea's niece um kid, little Black Girl who's like 17 and going and she's kind of like really mouthy mm-hmm. and she kind of like treats her family the way white teenagers do like she was talking like a
1: white teenager would say <laughs> what does that mean to the white basically she was like, like because sometimes
2: if you've had this experience like I have where in black families you don't say nothing back to your mama or you don't mm-hmm. tell your parents what you gonna do and what you are not gonna do you just do it or you not gonna we ain't gonna have no place no, to live. you might be huffing you might be homeless you mm-hmm. might have to huff and puff and keep it under your uh-huh. lip and wait <laughs> You better not explain when on I've gone it, and like, the night over, I better not hear okay? that, her But when I have gone and spent a night over my, my high school white friends' houses and stuff, and they would tell their parents, no, I'm not going to do that. Or they may even curse where you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. So this character. Don't come in my room. Okay. Like, you're talking. Your room. You're talking back. <laughs> and you are still alive? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? What fantasy world do y'all live in? Mm-hmm. But yeah, her character was kind of like talking back and like acting like disrespect. Oh, so it was kind of like watching Black people basically uh, have to reprogram this child, Mm. you know. So it was fun, and I I found it interesting because I know, and I know this is going to happen, and I want to give a shout-out to Steph, uh, who's on Twitter, because um, she just mentioned it and posted it up and was talking about how the ashy... The ashy Twitter is going to come after the people who went to go see Medea in terms of the men, the amount of people that went to go see Medea mm-hmm. compared to those who went to go see Birth of a Nation mm. because I believe that the weekend that Birth of a Nation opened only made like seven point one million. Um, I I'm of the sentiment that it'll probably make its money back slowly. Mm-hmm um Over time, but I know they were hoping for a really big opening weekend to recoup the investment of what yeah. was it? 17.5, 17.5 million yeah. that was first invested <laughs> not on top of the other millions that were used for promotion I mean they were promoting oh, yeah. the hell mm-hmm. like and and we were all excited for this mm-hmm. But of course those of you who were following the trajectory of that film
1: um, Can I lot- say something, Yeah, that's on. why I still think maybe it's just me I don't understand why. I know why they, they, they waited to come out with the movie now, trying to get the Oscar. Yeah,
2: they want that Oscar bid.
1: But the movie had so much hype around it around Sunday, they should have just put it out. They should have. You know what I mean? Before all the shit It went would down. have been a $100 million movie easily if they had to put it out after after the Sunday. And
2: thing. sometimes, you know, executives, you know, that's their market. They're, a lot of times, they're trying to go for that gold. Yeah. And a lot of times, movies that should have come out at a time when we were hyped and, and ready for it... Uh. Mentioning that, mm-hmm. that is why I believe why they decided to go ahead and open up Hidden Figures on Christmas. Like originally, Hidden Figures, which is the movie, the historic, based on the true story of the black women who basically helped us get to the moon by using their mathematics. Mm-hmm. They weren't maids. They weren't mammies. Is that a movie or is it a TV? Movie? It's a movie. Okay. Yeah, it's, they, they weren't those things that stereotypically you see black women in those type of period pieces. Mm-hmm. These were women who worked for NASA. And we were mathematicians and scientists and basically got the job done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we never knew about that because we yeah, I've seen a commercial yeah. too, but not it's much. It's got Chanel Monet, it's got Taraji P. Henson, mm-hmm. it's got um, Octavia Spencer. Like, it's got some heavy hit name. It's got, oh my God, it's got Cotton Mouth in it. Cotton in it. <laughs> oh my God, that man is
1: so fun. <laughs> when he was in them suits in Luke Cage. Well, Cotton Mouth's in um, the one you were talking about this weekend.
2: Yes, Moonlight. Moonlight. Yes, it's yeah. getting a lot of stuff. Um, I always mess up his first name. The last name is Ali. Is it Mar, mm-hmm. Mar, Mar-
1: I'm sorry, bruh. You I have a
2: beautiful name and i I apologize if I mispronounce it. Uh, I call you Count Cottonmouth because you were so fantastic in Luke Cage and gorgeousness and, and bad guy badassery. Oh, he's bad. All wrapped up. And I've been a fan of his since the first, let me tell you, first time I saw Mr. M, Mr. Ali mm-hmm. was an episode of Law and Order. I think it was SVU. He was a bad guy. And he was a horrific bad guy. Hmm. But as I was watching him, I was thinking to myself, you know, he's a bad guy, but I like him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so good. And he's been on other projects, too. But that was the first time I saw him. I thought, this guy's Mayor got Mayor Shelley Mar- Ali or I something? I want to say
1: Mars Shelley. Mar- I'll figure it out. I'm going
2: to figure out how to pronounce your Mar- name, Mar- bro. Mar-
1: Mar- I can't even play it. Mayor
2: Mar- Shala, something like that. I'll, I'll go on YouTube and, and hear somebody say the name. But anyway, love his work. Excited mm-hmm. about it. He's in Moonlight. Um, which I was just telling you, Moonlight, um, has been getting a lot of the praise. It's a coming of age story about a young, uh, black gay boy. <laughs> and I think it's told in three phases, uh, from his childhood, teenage to adulthood. Mm-hmm. But, um, I was just telling Hillier that I kind of feel like, in my heart, I kind of feel like this might be the bookend for when Pariah came out, mm-hmm. which was the coming of age story about a young lesbian story. I almost feel like this is that, that brother, that queer brother version mm-hmm. that's coming up. So I've been hearing great things and I'm looking forward to seeing it.
1: Dude, the 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 trailer, I mean, it's shot so beautifully. Oh my god, it's so it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm.
2: But like I said, uh, there's going to be people who are probably going to say things like, "Oh, you guys went out to go see these other movies mm-hmm. and no one went to go see Birth of a Nation." And as you were saying, you know, a lot of times people bring things out, they should have brought them out sooner and mm-hmm. then they don't because they're trying to get the the Oscar thing and there were other criticisms that were interesting and I want to bring it up and, sure. and touch bases about that because both you and I have both written <clears the> scripts <throat> that are based on true stories <throat> that are based on um, real life people and events mm-hmm. and one historical the, yeah historical events mm-hmm. and one of the things that I read in an article I, I want to say it's the New York Times but it was from a, a wonderful woman who's a, a great historian but I had to disagree with her in terms of Disagree with her in terms of how filmmaking is made when you're talking about a uh, historic biographical figure, okay, and also just in terms of writing the script. So basically, this article was talking about how Birth of a Nation was full of historical inaccuracies, yeah, um, and that a lot of things that you know were happening in Birth of a Nation just black really happen. woman or
1: white woman. I just got it. No, it's
2: black. No, she's black. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And but she's a historian. Okay. And one of the things that I disagreed with is because when you're a screenwriter and you're writing something based on a true story, Mm -hmm. there is this thing called creative license. You have to. There is this thing in terms of making stories work. You may have to make up some things to make the plot go along. And I know that there are probably a lot of writers out there right now who are working on based on a true story type things. And Mm -hmm. when they hear things like, oh, it was full of historical inaccuracies, certain things didn't happen. um, It was the same criticism. I remember when uh, Denzel Washington's movie came out, um, American Gangster, Mm -hmm. and they were talking about, oh, a lot of these things didn't happen. But one of the things I think in terms of Birth of a Nation and, and historical inaccuracies is that in real life, very little is known about nat turner
1: sure um well, there's a book or something there's yeah there's, there's a book books.
2: called confessions of nat turner yeah. that you know basically we we feel those mm-hmm. of us who study history and <laughs> know about this stuff we feel that that was just a white person's version made up version of some stuff okay. and that happens a lot of times especially in slavery days if you're talking about um uncle tom's cabin or certain things when certain white writers are writing black historical things mm-hmm. um they tend to either add some things that weren't true or they kind of change the language. I know one of the things that was interesting is one of the speeches from Sojourner Truth, Ain't mm-hmm. I a Woman, um, she spoke standard English. Oh, really? But when they wrote the speech to rewrite it, to present it to people for abolitionists, they kind of added all this other stuff in there to make it sound like swing low, (laughs) swing chair. It was like, no, that wasn't really what happened. But a lot of times when they're trying to convince other white people of certain things, they will write and create some things. And this happened with the Nat Turner story. Mm. One of the things I was critical of in terms – and I haven't seen the movie yet – um, that was something I was, I was quibbling because I, in the beginning, I was stoked because I remember I kept telling y'all, yeah. I never thought in my lifetime i see a movie about Nat Turner. And it gave me hope that maybe we yeah. see a movie about Nat Because it, it wasn't a white savior. It movie. wasn't a white savior. Yeah. It wasn't a white savior narrative. And, um, but then when all the controversy started breaking out, and those of you know about the whole Nate Parker stuff, I won't go into it, but, yeah. you know, I've been in the mind that people have to decide for themselves what they will support and what they won't support in sure. terms of an artist. For example, I'm a huge um, fan of... Um, oh, God, his name just escapes me right now. And I love his work. And he's been... Uh, filmmaker or actor? What is filmmaker, it? director, Polish. His wife, Sharon Tate. Oh, Romanoski? Thank Roman- you. Roman Polanski. Yeah, Polanski. Um, I'm a huge Roman Polanski fan.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But he has that whole uh, child rape scandal thing that happened um, back in the 70s, right mm-hmm. after his wife was murdered um, by a crazy... The Manson family and stuff, the whole Helter Skelter stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember going through in my mind like, Well, you know what, I you know, he left the country, he's never been extradited, he lives, he's never gonna come back to the United States because if he does, they'll try to put him in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm of the mind, and not everybody can do this, I'm of the mind that in certain circumstances and certain artists and people that I really like, I have the ability to separate their scandals from their art. Sure. Not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. When the Nate Parker thing, and there's other artists too that I, that, whose work I love, but I probably hate their personal lives and the stuff they represent, but their art, I have to like, give props for their work. Mm. With Nate Parker, I remember talking, having conversations, especially with black women, whether or not we are going to go support this movie, you know, his, his answers to, or behavior that people thought was not cool with him going on, um, interviews and mm-hmm. talking about the stuff, and, I, at first I was like, I'm not I'm not going to go see it. But I think now I am going to see it. I did make a point not to go see it the opening weekend okay. just so I could just get my thoughts together. But I still want to see it in terms of the art, and I still want to see it in terms of a biography, mm-hmm. because one of the things that I think I was kind of not happy about that I've been hearing other people saying is that the catalyst for Nate, Nat Turner, the character, rising up and doing what he needs to do is based on... um you know the whole trope of women being raped or man pain. We call that man pain when a man's uh women don't really have any agency in the story, and they're there only to help the the main ma- male character start his journey. Mm-hmm. And in in this case, in the movie, I'm hearing that it's the rape of his wife that is the catalyst for. Um, and that's not a spoiler because black women got raped in slavery days. So I'm not, <laughs> like I'm not like giving away the blot of the movie. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the catalyst to getting the story started, and I, I as a writer, i I was disappointed in that in the sense that when I've done my historical research on Nat Turner was the idea that from what I had read was that he had got these visions, like from God. like he had got these prophetic visions that black people needed to rise up and take mm-hmm. their thing. And I thought that would have been an, a wonderful visual thing to see a character you know kind of deal with visions and, and prophetic visions of becoming something and not having the the what do you call it the inciting incident mm-hmm. be based on man pain you know yeah. I, I kind of was hoping it would be like yeah this kind of like cause then that, that's how I remember it was like they said that he had these visions that he realized that this had to happen because he's a preacher he had the voice of the people mm-hmm. and then he made them rise up and they did that you know in the movie yeah Wife's rape. Okay, now I'm mad. Now now I want to get free, mm. you know. <laughs> <Now> <laughs> I was I good, but I was good before. I, yeah, you know, still, <laughs> yeah, but oh, now I'm mm. going to be free, you know. And that's what brought me to the idea is when people are writing biographies is that one of the things that people need to understand, those of you who don't write scripts or who don't make movies and you're watching these movies and you hear people saying, it wasn't historically accurate. Sometimes you have to make a story yeah. dramatic and you have to take some creative license and change some things to make the story work.
1: Well, here's the thing though. And you know I'm saying Eden. <clears throat> you know it because, you know, you know the script I'm working on right. right now. The in in the in the original story, the characters don't really know each other, so they don't really come about. But in your story, so that you have some Um, so you feel for them. It makes sense for them to know each other or to be tied to each other in some way. So that you have to take license for to make it make sense. And you
2: have to fight some things. like Mm -hmm. Whether it be if something such and such happened on a certain day, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work, you put another day. Sometimes you have to take several characters who may have been pivotal in real life Mm -hmm. and you have to Smush them together and make them one, and make person, them one person, person and yeah. let that person take the weight of mm-hmm. that. I remember years ago when um, What's Love Got to Do With It came mm-hmm. out. Oh. And I had read Tina Turner's book biography, I turn I'm a huge Tina Turner fan. Mm-hmm. And I read I, Tina. And I remember at this time I was like, I think I was in junior high school or something. Mm. And I remember reading that biography. And then when I saw the movie, I was like, they had the one character that Vanessa Bell Calloway was uh-huh. playing uh-huh. and she was a composite of several characters uh, who yeah. helped Tina get to the realization that she needed to get the fuck the Buddha out Buddha Right. So, and I remember as a kid, as a kid, I was like, that didn't happen in the book. How's that mm. pop? But it wasn't until I started writing that I realized you don't have time to no. have all those characters. No. So the way to get around that in movie magic is you write a composite character that takes the place of several characters so you can keep the story moving. Right. Okay. So I know that. The, like I said, the people were talking about it being historically inaccurate. I think it's the spirit of Nat Turner um, that's the important thing in terms of him um, being that revolutionary person and going mm-hmm. out and killing folks to get free. Um, I, I think it's 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 always okay, and I just want people to understand that because I know people are just like – they were downing the movie because of that. And it's like what you need to understand mm-hmm. is there is creative license. Now, you might not like the creative license that the person takes with it. It might not work. For example – I don't like the trope of, you know, the woman being raped to make the character want to act. Sure. I would have loved to have seen the visionary thing because it reminds me of, um, in Islam with Muhammad. Mm-hmm. How Muhammad had these visions and it was his wife, um, Khalida.
1: Oliver Stone too. Yeah, he, he his wife Khalida
2: was like, you need to go and deal with these visions. Mm-hmm. And, and he became the person he became, you know, the Prophet Muhammad, mm-hmm. you know, which is a movie I would love to see May, but I know in Islam it's, it's, you're not supposed to like, do depictions and you know pictures and stuff of Mm -hmm. of the prophet but it's that those type of people who have these and those are things i love when people have prophetic visions of who and what they're going to be and then they act on it i love stories like that Mm -hmm. and i was hoping it would be that way but it's not Mm -hmm. and that's their creative choice but i i just think that when you're writing biographies and and you're dealing with history
1: sometimes you gotta make up stuff have to you know so you have to because sometimes they're not what happened in real life was in the cinematic. Mm-hmm. You know, you but you think, oh well, you know, they there was an uprising so that was cinematic. Yeah, but on the way there right. was it cinematic. Right.
2: <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. And is it gonna be good enough to engage you to watch that? Correct. I mean, if
1: you were to do a movie
2: and you just did every single thing. Historically, that happened. You'd probably have a really boring movie. And it'd be a real long movie. And it'd be a really long movie, <laughs> yes. and no one wants to see that, unless you're making a miniseries or something like that. But no mm-hmm. one cares about that shit. Right. I mean, I'm sure when we we're one of my favorite shows, Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. you know, based on a book. I'm sure there was a lot of stuff That they put into that TV show That really didn't happen But to make the story happen To make the dramatic The dramatic plot points work And to keep
1: us engaged You have to change some things up And even that show As good as it was Was too slow for some people
2: Yeah You know what what Hey I I I loved it I loved it From seasons one to three Yeah and then I think seasons, that's where I stopped too. And then seasons, <laughs> uh, the last two seasons, mm-hmm. um, weren't as good. And, and I think the reason why they weren't as good is because the characters that were the bomb ass characters that I was totally into, mm-hmm. they got rid of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was and like, nobody
1: was safe from And it was like, no,
2: everybody was going. But <laughs> I just think along the way, they kind of lost something the last two seasons. Cause it wasn't just, it wasn't as compelling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things when you're writing. And as, as the writers that are out there who are listening, you know, do not be afraid. To take creative license and things, that's
1: how you're going to make the story work. Um, that's which, just how it is. Which is why you see on scripts they say "inspired by," right? You know, I never say "based on." I say it's inspired by. It's, I'm letting and, it, you know. and
2: inspired by is basically a bitch. We know it's not exactly it's not how exact. it was. It's but this is how exact. we're presenting it. Yes, this is how,
1: this is <laughs> my little, take on the happened. My little disclaimer,
2: yeah. You know disclaimer. You know. You know, and yeah. it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard. But that brings me to another topic, because I know I want to get into your script here, because we're talking about writing action through. scenes. Yeah, it's fine. Huh? Good. Uh, writing action scenes, because recently you're working, you're working on a script now, and I'm, I'm working on, um, finished up the script, and I'm working on a new one right now. Mm-hmm. And it does have a lot of action mm-hmm. and i kind of want us to talk about in terms of writing good action scenes so that the action flows and it's not bogged down mm-hmm. um they might have heard me talking about last episode the halloween episode that we did i'm talking about my appalachian trail horror slasher uh screenplay i'm writing right now based on true events and that's how you know that's how i market <laughs> it. i'm making shit up but mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna use that disclaimer. It's, it really is based on some true events yeah Which is really what could have happened. Yeah, which is the catalyst that could have happened had it gone Mm -hmm. left really quick (laughs) or gone south, Mm -hmm. you know. But one of the things I'm really, really working on is there are a lot of scenes. Sometimes you have scenes, especially in action movies, where there's not a lot of dialogue, but there's action. And you've got to get through that action without it being, like, draggy, Mm -hmm. you know. So what are some of the things that you do before we read um, a a section of your script? What are some things to keep your action... You know, your action scene, like those well, lines that you put in the script from being like, oh, it's way too much. You're describing way too much, and there's too much
1: First of all, ink on the page. <clears throat> and you'll notice when you look at the script, I'm very about how it looks on the page. Mm-hmm. I'm very about... How many lines of black do I have on the page? I mean, I really I go that far with it mm-hmm. because I know it bothers me when somebody hands me a script and I got all I'm these blotches. All yeah. I want my eyes to go down the page. Right, I right. want it to be easy to read. So even before I start thinking about um, the content that needs to happen in the story, mm-hmm. I start thinking about how I envision this on the page. Bam, we hear a sound. You -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then we see a movement. Right. You know, the character is going through this in order to get through that. So how do they do that? Ah, they have to jump over the building to get down the side of the road to get to what? Mm -hmm. Okay. Who's chasing them? You know what I mean? So I'm looking at the journey it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. And also you have to decide what does the character want? What do they, what do they end up with? Well, in this scene, she wants this. Right. But she has to run. From here to across the building to get it mm-hmm. The person chasing her Wants her dead mm-hmm. And he has to run, for, or she has to run from the building To get right. it, you know what I mean? Right. So you have all those different things you're looking at And then you have to figure out Oh, does she learn something on this journey? Mm-hmm. Even though it's a chasing right. You know, a lot of people Just make a kick-ass chasing right. I'm trying to give you a kick-ass chasing Where something happens and now we move story right? You know, we move character right. There's a new uh, now they end up hurt at the end. Right. You know, now she's weak at right. the end. She started strong. Right. Or vice versa. Right. You know. There's so like a
2: reversal in something. There's a reversal
1: right. somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm also trying to find a way, and you know, my favorite word is curiosity. Right. So how can I still keep you curious from the beginning to the end of my two or three page, mm-hmm. you know, action scene right. that I'm writing. So but
2: one of the things I like about your writing when I look at the script, mm-hmm. is the stuff that I try to do too, is like literally I'm looking at the page right now, is it's very streamlined, descriptive in the way that it is engaging. Like you use a lot of things that just pop off the page, the words. But you also do, which we call, um, you do the slug lines where it's not a stage direction. Mm-hmm. Directors, you're not director, director how yeah, do it. Yeah, it's not it. angle on. Right. You just put it, you know, you yeah. put it in block letters. Yeah,
1: footsteps, bitch. Right. But, yeah,
2: like, but you do it in a way where as yeah. your eyes are going down the page, it's almost like it gives your eye... A resting point. Like, mm-hmm. all these things are happening, and you give me, like, this little pause. Yeah,
1: They're inserts.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that because, one, looking at it, it moves, mo- and then it slows you down, and it creates curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like there's a couple scenes here where it says, footsteps drawn there, infected. Yama- like, you pause, like, oh, something else is about to happen, interesting. And not everyone can do that well. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, like you said, we'll get these scripts, and it's like just tons of paragraphs of stuff. And it's a lot of it, you don't need all that. And it's one of the irritants. It's just like with dialogue. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you're reading a script, it's just too much fucking talking. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not getting to the essence of what's <laughs> and needs to be said. That's like, true. we don't need all That's this true. stuff. Like, That's just true. tell me what I need to know. Yeah. Because when you get it down to the quick, it's like when you're making a good, when you're making a good broth. when you get down to the <laughs> essence, like when you're making a good French sauce... And you get it. First you start off watering the It's then you all watery it stuff. And you gotta keep cooking it and mm-hmm. cooking it. And so, and then it gets down and it gets down to the good stuff, the season. Oh God, mm-hmm. it's so good and delicious. You know, some of y'all <laughs> just giving people watery bra <laughs> in your writing and it's fucking you up because nobody wants to read that shit. Mm-hmm. So we need to get to the good French essence, the good sauce, <laughs> you know, when it's cooked down, <clears throat> you know, to the good stuff. So I want everybody listening out there to go, go, Get your script that you're working on right now. Go look at it. Mm-hmm. Do you have those big tons of paragraphs of just dark blackness that makes me just want to reach across this radio thing here and <laughs> slap you? <laughs> like, why would you do that to somebody? You know, and find the good essence. Even with your dialogue, mm-hmm. look to see what is the – we don't need tons of stuff talking about stuff that has nothing. It's not leading the plot anywhere. It's not giving us any
1: information about the characters. Like, really go through and really just pair out – cut that shit out. You know what's funny? Whenever I read a really good script, when I tell you it's a really good script, nine times out of ten, it's not based on how good I think the dialogue is. Mm-hmm. It's about the action. Yeah. It's about what's in the descriptions and how right. that drew me in. Right. That's where you see the voice. Right. I mean, sure, you see it sometimes in, right. the, in the dialogue. Right. But to me, if you can give me the voice in the actions mm-hmm. in the descriptions, that's where I'm like, ooh, this this motherfucker's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because
2: it's funny because you definitely say that because a lot of times most of the actors I talk to when they're mm-hmm. talking about their reading a script, most actors – A lot of times they just look in the dialogue. How how many many, many, many lines do I have? But the people who are making decisions, the gatekeepers, the readers, like they're reading that action, like they're trying to call through this Mm -hmm. and and look at it. So yeah, dialogue might be important for the actors and stuff. I mean, dialogue's important,
1: but it's the way that those 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 action paragraphs are crafted. And, And you have to see this when you're. So you were asking me like, how do I write these scenes? I mean, I have to look at this when I'm writing. I'm looking at it. As if I'm looking on the screen. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my screen in front of me in my laptop, but I'm also looking up, imagining it mm-hmm. on the fucking big screen, right. the small screen, whatever it is. How do I see this whole sequence right. taking place? Right. right. You know, so when I'm describing what you see, mm-hmm. you feel like you're going on that ride. You could see that right. movie. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say that that, that's so true because one of the, the big litmus tests for me is when it's a really, really, really good script, like literally, It is a movie. You read it, Mm -hmm. but literally, it's like you're watching the movie. Like I tell this people all the time, like one of my all-time favorite scripts. Where before the movie even came out, you know, I had read was um, American Beauty. Oh yeah. And when I first read that script, Alan Bosch, child, (laughs) I read that thing. I forgot I was reading the script. I felt like I was watching the movie as I was reading it. Mm. Like the writing, it was so tight. Mm. The dialogue was so on point. Yeah. It's like one of the most beautiful Everybody scripts. Everybody should read
1: American Beauty by It's the way. <laughs>
2: one of the most beautiful scripts are Like, literally, I was like crying at the end. There were parts mm-hmm. that made me cry. Like, one of my favorite, and they actually got it into the movie, which is amazing, mm-hmm. which is the paper bag that was floating. There's this lovely, ah. lovely sequence in the script that it talks about, yeah, mm-hmm. it talks about the floating plastic bag and the beauty of that and the, the character who's videotaping that. And I thought, I hope they keep that in the movie. And when I saw the movie, it's just, it's one of those most moving, mm-hmm. moving things that you see. And it's like, you want to be at that level when people are reading your script. And man, when I'm reading some really great action, you know, d- you know, lines in a script, if it makes me feel like I'm watching the movie, you have done your fucking job mm-hmm. as a writer. You know, God bless you if you can do that. And it's a skill that you have to learn. Definitely. Um, Like I said, that's why we're always telling <coughs> people, read as many scripts as you can. Um, one, it gives you the different styles of writing, of how to write. You know, just like when we tell people to watch many different films, especially mm-hmm. foreign films, um, and variety of genre of films. So give you an idea of what's, what's out there and, and give you the potential to, to kind of stretch your own writing wings, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. That means that, yeah, you might not write horror, but you might want to read a couple horror scripts. Hey, you might write horror, but not drama. Yeah. You might want to write, you know, read some drama scripts and some comedy scripts just to help your writing get better, Correct. just to know what's out there. Cause a lot of times people just read one type of script and that's it.
1: And it's like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? And, and that's why, like, for me, like, one of my top favorite scripts of all time is Die Hard. Mm. I mean, it's flawless to me. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, and mainly I wonder, and you and I have talked about this before. Like, sometimes, you know, I'll read a script after I've seen the movie. Some people prefer to watch, read the book first or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like, to watch it mm-hmm. and then read it, because mm-hmm. for me, then I could like I'm, I just remember that's what I did with the color purple, the book. Mm-hmm. I saw the movie, then I read the book, mm-hmm. and it just brought it all more to life to me. Mm-hmm. And mainly because I don't want to be the guy who's going, well, they took that out or they took that out, or, they took that out. Instead, I'm like, wow, Oprah is Celia. You know what I mean? Right, whatever right. it is, or you know, whatever the character is, she's Sophia, whatever. Right. You know, you can just picture them. So for me, it's that's how I see it that way. Um, you were just saying something. I was gonna tap. What were you just talking about? Oh when um, it's like what r- watching other films mhm and I uh, was going to outside your that. genre Oh yeah so I was talking about Die Hard and stuff like that so even though like the 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 scene that we're going to read later on is 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 a horror film mm-hmm. it's action it's horror and it's sci-fi at the same time mm. so you can imagine the scripts I read while I was working on this script, right. and of course I'll go back to Die Hard and pick out a cool scene to right. see how they did it through character they still had a kick-ass action scene with guns and everything right. but in the end, you know, the character ended up learning this
2: mm-hmm.
1: or in the end, he ended up getting stuck with this right. now now his foot has glass all over it, so right. how is he going to fight now? Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. Whatever it is, like a minute ago, he was fine right. You know what I mean? and just
2: like you said, it creates curiosity it's like, creates well curiosity. damn, he's got glass in the foot and he's trying to be quiet and not have people find out that he's in the building, and right. and he's bleeding. Yeah, <laughs> how is he going to so get? So now out he's going to leave a
1: trail, right? So you know what I mean? So it's like little things like that that I'm looking at. That just because you're you're writing on a certain type of genre doesn't mean you can't research other right. genres to write the genre you're writing. Right? right. You know what I mean? Because
2: that helps you create create your voice. And one of the things I remember about the Die Hard script um, was it had like almost a little snarky voice. Like it, oh it, it was like. Yeah. You were reading it, but it was almost the writing was almost like he he wrote the script just for you to read, mm-hmm. and it was almost like he was having he was a talking si- to you. He was like, yeah, I'm having a mm-hmm. side conversation with you. I mean, it's like I know we be in this movie mm-hmm. with Murdoch and them, mm-hmm. but. I'm going to rap to you too and, mm-hmm. and give you some game And it was just like Such a great script And I know right after that came out Everybody was like Copying that yes. style
1: And Shane Black Whenever he wrote um, Oh God Lethal Weapon Everybody started copying that shit God.
2: You know It was just like So much Just so much stuff And it's mm-hmm. like And that's what happens Like when something Was really really good You're always going to get people Who, who right. copy it You know And, and right. that's what good writing Should do It should You know Great writing I should say Yeah um, Should inspire other mm-hmm. writers To like Write at that level and the only way you can do that is by reading other scripts at that level mm-hmm. and and discovering what your voice is and what works for you, you know mm-hmm. so without further ado, I would like to read your
1: scene. Uh, you want me to read the log line?
2: Yes, please first tell us the uh, log line.
1: So this is from a script that I wrote on assignment. Um, um, and the only reason why I'm reading it now because we're just doing a little snippet of it and and the producers have a cool okay. um, <clears throat> It's called Man made Plague. And I was pitched this idea of a zombie and a, um, and a soldier getting trapped in the time machine and spit out into the, the days of the samurais. And I pitched it back to him like this. At the start of a deadly outbreak, a physicist, a physicist and a retired soldier escape in a time portal and wake up in a forest, 17 hours ahead in the city of Tokyo. With the help of strangers, they must risk their lives to rescue the soldier's daughter before time runs out and the world becomes infected. Mm. So I basically wanted it to put it in today. I was right. like, no, 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 no. Let's not do.
2: Samurai Zombies. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's, like, not let's not do. not
1: do that. Pride and Prejudice that. and right. The Zombies. Yeah, right, right. Let's, let's do 28 Days Later in fucking Tokyo. Right. Basically, right. is what I wanted. Right. So that's what I repitched them. Like, how can we do this today? Mm-hmm. So the scene we're about to read is. Um, there's There's a group of um so we have our soldier and we have our our um scientists they they at the beginning of the film they get trapped in the time portal that mm-hmm. spits them out to Tokyo, but it happens today right they end up in a um the orchid what do they call the orchid field right. the, the why am I forgetting with those terry blossom orchid Terry blossom yeah and and it's probably like a, in the middle of Tokyo like a few blocks away from the main part of the city, mm-hmm. which is they actually have big parks like that mm-hmm. so um what happens is when they get there the time portal actually is on the watch. There's there's something he uses on this watch very star trekky. Okay. And that like can start the time portal and open it up and they okay. have 17 hours to get back okay. back in time. Well of course, they get to Tokyo and one of the zombies gets inside of it. We call them the infected. One of the infected gets inside of the portal with them too. And when they wake up, the, 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 the infected wakes up first because it doesn't affect them like it does a human. Right. And he tears off toward the city. And of course, the city spreads really fast. Right. And in my movie, the zombies turn in like 15 seconds, mm. you know, like really fast. And so um, um, what happens is so, so our two leads have to go from the park. To the highest building in the city, to re- cali- calab- the word calibrate calibrate, yeah. calibrate mm-hmm. to recalibrate the the, um, the time portal watch, right. and so they 're on the way there, along the way, there 's a group of kids who are like parkour kids, mm-hmm. and one of them is this girl, Sack, her name is Sakura. Uh-huh. and she has this kind of boyfriend named Yamato, who 's a rich kid who hangs around all the, all the street kids, and mm-hmm. they're a bunch of like street kids. And they dress in like the the Japanese style, oh, you know, and the whole the like you know ass. you yes. know that that like she wears like the whole Japanese schoolgirl with the ponytails, you know, and all that kind of shit. I love, but she's that. badass, I and she's that. like a total tomboy. And
2: they know how to dress, like they know how to wear clothes. Yes,
1: and then you know he's they he's the rich clothes. kid in in their group, and so where we are in the story now is um, they've lost all of their other friends in the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has died to the zombies. Or the infected I don't know why you keep it on And so the scene we're in right now Is um, they've escaped To the um, um, To the underground train And then Tokyo subway And um, Yamato Who's the guy who she's in love with um, But they never crossed the line Because they're only like 15, 16 years old um, He kisses her and a zombie bites him Right right then So now we pick up, she's ran She's left And then we pick up her later on and then she's in the tunnel, um, you know, and I'll, I'll run, walking along the tracks, and this is where we see her.
2: Where would you like me to stop at?
1: we um, at the, uh, the go. Right the?
2: The. Okay, very good.
1: So this is called Man-Made Plague. Man-Made <clears throat> Plague. It takes place in one of my favorite,
2: favorite countries. And I'll read all her lines. Okay. <clears throat> Interior, Tokyo Metro, subway, tunnel. A strong wind blows in the dark and claustrophobic space. You can hear the screeching wail of an infected not too far away. The glow of a light appears as a tiny speck. As it gets closer, we notice it struggling to flicker along the ginormous thick walls somewhere under the city. Reveal, sack. Her heart beats 100 miles an hour. She's in a hurry, moving down the center of the tracks. The cold wind blows her lighter out, over and over. At times, she can barely see her hands in front of her. She picks up pace. All you hear is her naked breath, panting, as quiet as she possibly can. Footsteps approach. The hairs on Sack's neck prickle. Heart batters like a vintage muscle car. She rounds a bend and spots a flickering overhead light. There's about 30 feet of light in front of her, then darkness. She looks around the walls. Eyes widen when she spots something we can't see. Sack herself, readies herself, then runs and banks off the wall, pushing herself up to some broken rebar like a rock climber dangling from the ceiling. She wraps her legs around it and tucks in tight. Footsteps come from the darkness. Sack holds her breath as. Infected metro operator steps into the glow of the light, walking with purpose, determined. Sack takes a precautionary peep down. The beast pauses for a beat, sniffs, then continues without a hitch. Sack's just about, just about to climb down when footsteps draw near. Sack wraps her legs back around the pipe, slowly turns her head to see infected Yamoto Step into the light. He's hideous. Black eyes gray skin, face half ripped the fuck off. Yamoto comes to a stop and scans the area right beneath her. Sack turns, pale, and gasps. There's an odd slowness here, like time stood still. Sack's breath circles the cold air, moving directly for Yamato's nose. The beast catches the scent, sniffs, eyes dilate with excitement, then shift up toward the ceiling. Yamoto screeches. Sack almost jumps out of her skin and loses her grip on the rebar. Her body crashes down on top of Yamoto. The two cave to the ground just a few feet from the other. Yamoto sits up and growls. Yamato, don't! Her voice bounces off the thick cement walls. There's a strange, awkward moment. Yamoto actually stops in his tracks, as if he can comprehend her words. They lock eyes. I know you're in there. It's me. Yamoto tilts his head curiously. Sak wears a look of uncertainty. She's getting through. That's it. You're not going to hurt me. Suddenly, we're looking at Sack's pumping heart through the rays of Yamoto's POV. Yamoto snarls like a wolf, exposing a mouthful of bloodthirsty teeth. Sack's heart quickens. She backsteps herself into the wall. "Yamoto, stay back. Don't. Please." But the beast only sees one thing: blood. Yamoto pops up and springs after her. Fast cuts. Sack and Yamoto wrestle to the ground. Yamoto's teeth snap like a turtle on her neck. Sack inches for her gun. Bang! Bang! Everything goes black. All it- right. <laughs> so lot- that's just one scene. Yeah. Thought was so fun. a lot's going on, and mm-hmm. the cool thing about it is a lot of the descriptions you're 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 putting in here. It's actually it's moving the story along. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of unnecessary clutter. You're not describing a lot of like what she's wearing and all this other stuff. It's basically this is happening and this is happening and i like i said i always love it when you make those little breaks in between those mm-hmm. um those little pauses with the um the dialogue the dialogue but the um the mm-hmm. and
1: there's not a lot of dialogue in this no the scene it's at not all.
2: not and mm-hmm. and that's fine because this is the action sequence mm-hmm. and there's just a lot going on and like i said looking through the page itself There's nothing here that's making me get tired, like, oh, my God, there's so much black on the page. It's Mm -hmm. moving. Things are happening. And I'm curious to know what's going to happen next. For example, when we got to the bottom of the page where it says Yamoto sits up and growls, Yamoto don't, that button on the end is her saying don't. And now Mm -hmm. I'm on the turn of the page like, "Uh uh-oh, what's Mm going to happen,
1: right? And that's intentional. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially at the, the, the last part I read where it says bang, bang, everything goes black. And then the last part at the bottom says dissolve too. So it's mm-hmm. like you're purposely creating this thing where I'm forced to turn the page mm-hmm. to see what's going on. And that's something writers have to really learn how to, to do to keep readers, the gatekeepers to read that and, and keep invested in your script. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it's not easy to do. Like, trust me, I've read a lot of scripts where you know, different levels of writers, and one of the things that can always take me out of the story is if your action lines, is just not moving the story forward, it's just too much stuff, and it's not helping me
1: stay engaged with the story. Sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, I had fun re- writing this scene. I mean, it was just, um, I, I, I saw it. I knew I wanted them to get, I wanted her to get to the metro station somehow, and 'Cause there's no way she'd make it through the city. Mm-hmm. Because she can't even though they can parkour across, you know, buildings, mm-hmm. there's no way I mean the buildings stop at some point. Right. And you have all these empty right. spaces. So I was like, Oh well the tunnel. If she took the subway tunnel all the way through, we could maybe that'd be a nice moment when Yamato was killed mm-hmm. and then we see their battle. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But it needs to come from a character thing. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we ever see one of the infected actually respond. Mm. You know, they usually just go, 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 go. go. And this one was like, he is, is like, I wanted the audience to be curious, like, did he hear her? Mm -hmm. You know, and for a second, maybe he did. Right. You know what I mean? But right. then I was like, no, bitch, I, need, I see blood.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we was friends yeah. when I was human, but now I'm on a different quest. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you have a, a woman doing parkour. A lot of times the movies oh, I've yeah. seen... She's better than all of them. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite... I can't remember. I don't know why I keep blanking on the name. But it was a French film mm-hmm. that had a lot of parkour and it took place in the future. Uh, the name will come later. But mm-hmm. I love that. But it was like the guys were doing it. Mm-hmm. But I love that you got like this cool, you know, she's dressed fabulous, looks awesome, and she's like... Jumping around Doing all this fantasy, And she's battling These infected
1: And it's fuck. done It's done In reality I don't I don't use the parkour Like as if they're like especially gifted and can leap across buildings like in a certain... They do it like in real time. Mm-hmm. If a zombie is on their trail, they are just about to take a mm-hmm. bite out of them before they can mm-hmm. do whatever and grab a pole and swing around and then the zombie goes flying over the... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I really have... I mean, I have other scenes like that which right. I could have did, but I wanted to do one that was more character-based. Right. You know? And, um, um, yeah, so, like, one of the things that, that I didn't mention is um, I wanted... When, Like, for instance, you know, this is a zombie movie, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, are kind of tired of zombie movies, and I get that. But I was like, how can I do it so that my zombies are a little bit different? What's, mm-hmm. What do I not see enough of? Mm-hmm. One of them was smell. Mm-hmm. They don't ever really show them, like, like, I can smell you. To me, that right. is scary to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why when she climbs up on the rebar and hides, she holds her breath. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because she knows... If they can smell her, they can get her, Mm -hmm. you know, but when she sees him, of course, she loses her breath. And we see her breath Mm -hmm. in the cold air, the heat come around Mm -hmm. right to his nose. You know, so I Mm -hmm. was trying to show you how the rules work in this particular Mm -hmm. world. You know, the other thing is that I thought would be interesting is the infected when they see you they see they can see through you like like mm-hmm. uv they right. can see the blood per- like a vampire right. almost you know what right. i mean so i thought that would be a little bit different too right. you know what i mean so that's something i would encourage the writers to do too if you decide you want to do find ways to make your movies be a little bit different yeah like that that
2: really helped like i said when we talked about 20 days later that's Mm -hmm. what made that movie different was those zombie infected folks they move fast correct and we were so used to like slow zombies um just like the the thing with um we've talked about before the girl with all the gifts Mm -hmm. you know here we have like zombie children I'm not giving away anything because it says it in the poster what it is. <laughs> it's been
1: a month or 2 ain't it? <laughs> and if you haven't read
2: the book, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, it's something interesting, mm-hmm. and it's it's different. It's like it's the same but different. Yes. You know? And that always helps because regardless of how many, especially in genre films, no matter how many vampire movies or zombie movies or werewolf movies we say we're sick and tired of seeing, if you come up with something unique, I'm still going to come see your movie. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I talk about zombies, like, oh, they're so boring. But if you do something mm-hmm. – just a little different. I'll be there for it. I'm sure. gonna come see it. I'm gonna come watch it and have fun with it, you know. Well
1: it's like this this you know, the producers wanted me to write a kick ass action movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I wanted to center it in reality. You see, this was centered in reality, there was a real thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. They weren't like supernaturally jumping or right. you know what I mean? Or anything. They they were just infected you know what i mean but they're they're fast moving but they're they're just real Mm -hmm. and and so that's one thing i knew i wanted to do i just wanted to be in in some sort of a place of reality Mm -hmm. you know so that it felt i wanted to feel like 28 days later Mm -hmm. in freaking tokyo you know what i mean and that's something i know that we americans haven't seen we had we saw the new korean film on the on the train we haven't seen it with american characters Over there, you know what I mean. Right. So that I only have two American characters in in the movie, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Once we get to Tokyo, it's them two, and every character is Japanese, Japanese. Mm -hmm. every single one, Mm -hmm. and that's intentional, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's something they, when I pitched it to them, they thought was a great idea. Thought they thought all these people were coming with them on the um on the portal. They thought it'd be more than them there when they got there. Of course, you know they would be all December. Like no, 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 no. Let's. You know how many great actors they have over there? Like, yes. geez, them.
2: Are you kidding me? You know what
1: I mean? Don't be like the Great Wall. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that brings me up to something sure. that's, uh I-, I wanted to mention because it was a conversation I had with a couple of my friends. And it's something that as we talk about films that are coming out and, of course, our criticisms and things that are, are coming through, one of the things that people were talking about was like w- – when we're critiquing like the whitewashing of characters and a lot of the stuff that's going on with popular superhero movies that are coming out mm-hmm. that people are saying should either be Asian characters or should be black characters or what have you, um, there's this thing I do where people are like, oh, I can't believe you're still going to see the movies. For example, I'm still going to go see The Great Wall. Okay. Even though I clowned it with Matt Damon in <laughs> he it, did. he's so Matt Damon is so adorable though. You know, I still like Matt Damon. Yeah, I do he's too. still he's still my boy. You know, he's growing and learning. Yeah. You know, he's a human being. He's learning, but at the same time, you can still be critical of, of what it is. For example, I'm still going to go see Doctor Strange. Yeah. You know, because number one, you got my cheekbones, dude. I like in there. You Benjamin's got yeah, cool. and I wait. You got Mads is in it. Okay. Nicholson, I love him. I live <laughs> in his cheekbones. Mm-hmm. I live in his cheekbones in the winter, and I live in Daniel La like Kim's cheekbones in the spring. <laughs> um, it's got Chiwetel, a mm-hmm. for who I love, is in it. Um, you know, Cumberbatch is in it, too, and he's got one of the sexiest voices mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still going to see it, you know, but... You can still critique something and still want to go see it yeah. and, and support, it, but just but you're just letting people know, you know. So I just wanted to throw it out there because my friends like, I can't believe that you critique something, and you still ain't gonna go see it. I'm like, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I you know. Understand. You know.
1: <laughs> well at least you go i don't understand critiquing and not and, 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 and dogging it and you haven't even fucking seen it that's even worse to me though don't you think
2: uh, and I'm, I'm i'm petty enough to her i would trash it before i go see it and go see it and then trash it again even <laughs> though i gave you some money so i feel like i am entitled to say what yes. i need to say because you i put i helped pay your mortgage that makes sense. you know but yeah. you know that's just that's just how it is and there's a couple of things that are coming out um that i think are interesting and uh We'll see. I mean, these conversations are still ongoing in terms of people who are creating films and the whole idea of representation, um, being inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is uh, the Jessica Jones season two just announced that they're going to have all female directors.
1: Oh, yeah, I knew that. You know,
2: yeah. uh, kind of following the footsteps of Ava and, and Queen Sugar. Yeah. Rosemary um, Rodriguez. Shout out to her. Yeah, Rosemary. <laughs> Hey, you have to come back on Rosemary because the episode she did mm-hmm. and I was gone to a convention and I missed out because she. Oh, that's
1: right, and she and then. she
2: directed like two, two or three episodes mm-hmm. of my other favorite show that's coming back in January, which is Outside Arts. Mm-hmm. You know, give me some of that sass of love. <laughs> and love um, And so, you know it, All right, I'll, I'll ask her to come back Yeah, tell her to come yeah. back Because i got I to gotta get the inside scoop okay. On my show <laughs> And give her Because some of my favorite episodes Are the ones that she directed on that thing I know it's i got like, to keep, I I, keep, I give her a high five Like, girl, you do I mean, I was
1: I was in a writer's room on that show For the last five weeks So I'm like Might be a good time to ask her To shadow her Yeah I would love to shadow yeah. her something, so. Anyway
2: So, yeah, I mean Writing scripts, writing action, please people, I know we beat this like a dead horse every time we talk about this, but you've got to read scripts. Mm-hmm. You've got to read outside your genre comfort zone. You've got to watch films um, that are not just American films. You've got to develop your voice because that voice, that thing that goes on the page can make or break you and make people want to read your stuff or not want to read it. Mm-hmm. And too many people are not... They're not developing their voice. And that goes across the line, not just in screenwriting, but in short story writing and mm-hmm. book writing. It's like finding that that thing that makes you you, that makes you want to read your stuff. Because there are plenty of, like, writer – and it's funny because when you, when I'm nerdy that way with screenwriters, there's certain screenwriters who I don't even care what they write. I know this shit's going to be good, and mm-hmm. I want to read it as if I want to read that script like I'm reading a book. Yeah, Because it's so good, mm-hmm. and it's just so amazing. I mean, I know I talked about Alan Ball a lot because mm-hmm. he's the bomb.
1: Oh, guess what? He's downstairs. Ball's downstairs. His office is downstairs. It used to be right there. They just moved I just downstairs. I thought he was over. Okay, they just moved downstairs. Well, literally, we're right. Well, wait, downstairs. now I'm looking.
2: On, I'm looking down the floor now. <laughs> and Alan,
1: <laughs> you're the goat, my friend.
2: Even though I had some some questionable things about the casting of True Blood, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I love the I True said Blood, Lafayette. <laughs> yeah, I love the True Blood pilot. That's a good thing because I love the True Blood pilot. Mm-hmm. That pilot was. Psh, Man, when one mm-hmm. of my friends gave me a hold of that pilot before the show came out, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Alan has done it again. Mm-hmm. And it's j- – oh, my God. You're talking about some damn good writing.
1: Mm-hmm. But anyway. But see, writers need to be doing that. That's exactly what they need to do. They need to pick up these scripts. and need to read them. And you have to, You have to read them with fresh eyes, if that makes sense. That's kind of like – it's kind of like what they tell you, you know, put a script down that you've looked at and, like, give it a week and you come back with fresh eyes. Because mm-hmm. you really do. I mean, you still remember right. everything because you're the one who wrote it. But some reason, you have to teach yourself to to look at it through fresh eyes in a way to where that's when you see where the holes are. Mm-hmm. That's when you see where, yeah, this doesn't quite flow right. So it needs another B. Be- oh, yeah, they did this little thing where they ran from here to there. Ah, but it's missing that person's point of view of what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You start to see those little right. miss-ups, but you have to teach yourself, how do I look, to, look at this on the screen? Mm-hmm. Everybody I know who's a badass writer knows how to picture it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to picture it, you're never going to be a good mm-hmm. writer yet. Not not in not in movies and TV. Right, right. Because right. you can't see it. Right. If you can't see it, I can't see it. Right. You know? So when people read my script and they see my description, they're like, I love how you did this so clean Mm -hmm. because I pictured it Mm -hmm. and I knew by the time you got the script, I wrote it in a way, or my intention at least, is to write it in a way so that you get it, you know, Mm -hmm. and that it's interesting and has some poppy shit going on. Right. And I think my biggest trick is if you end a beat, drop a line. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're setting up the, the room, don't also include the character and then... The other part of the room And then whatever <laughs> Set up the room Drop a line Talk about the character Drop mm-hmm. a line Set up this Drop a line And it just Make makes it clean It flows yeah. You know what I mean Yeah
2: Like I said That's not It's not That's a skill That you have to cultivate You know And That means That involves writing And rewriting
1: And rewriting And rewriting To get that To get that shit tight yeah. You know But the it, irony is Is every For all this We're talking about You know You pick up the Oscar scripts and they got blotches in there that oh are freaking God. twenty lines deep. When I used to do
2: you know? when I used to do coverage for this production company, um, it was funny. I was a friend of mine who was a producer, and she worked for them. And I just said, "Hey, can I come through and do this?" Because mm-hmm. what I wanted was I wanted to see the scripts that they were actually had pulled Green, in. Like, and mm-hmm. Green's like, "We want this. Mm-hmm. This is the best writing." And I want. I didn't want. I didn't want to go down to to French's and get, mm-hmm. and get like the book version of it. So it was like, let me finagle my way in and let me do this, I'll just do some coverage, and that way I can get access to these scripts Mm -hmm. so I can see what's really... And I was shocked too, where I was like, this person has an agent, Uh and their agent read this, Mm -hmm. and their agent let this slide through typos Mm -hmm. and chunks of stuff that Mm -hmm. should have been, and that's when I realized that sometimes people get in where they fit in, and sometimes some of that shit is not legit. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and you just be amazed. Even yeah. I, I remember I've seen some big name people <laughs> got my hand on the script because I had somebody that works somewhere. It's like, oh, you might want to see this, and I was just like, but <laughs> they was nominated for, mm-hmm. and this is what they wrote. And, I, and, and of course, I would lie to myself and say, oh, of course, this is just, just got to be the first draft. Mm-hmm. This is just the first draft. It's got to be the first draft. <laughs> and then you look at the bottom, it's like draft, draft copy, <laughs> draft <laughs> thirteen like, or something. I'm like, oh, sure. you know. So, but then you know, it, I mean, it is what it is you know but that doesn't that doesn't give you babies out there listening to us that doesn't give you the right to try to slack off and be sure you know you got you still got to have your game tight you got to be tighter than the tightest person in.
1: yeah i mean that's why your script needs to be by the time i would ask you to read it it's at least my fourth version Mm -hmm. so that means by the time i let anybody read it, it's at least my fourth version the only thing i try to do differently is by the time it takes you to write your first one, I've written four mm. versions of it. Mm. You know, that's the difference between me and most people that mm. I'm always trying to work with people on is you gotta be fast. You know what I mean? You right. gotta work on that. And if you don't, right. how are you gonna ever turn shit around on time and be, mm. you know, efficient, mm-hmm. you know, and still good at the same time? Right. And that's the key. But that's why you said you work that outline, you get that so. Mm. It doesn't mean you're gonna follow the outline right. perfectly. Right. But at least you get to see what's what, you right. know. And, you know, whether you use boards, whether you use, mm-hmm. you know, your three by five pages papers, whatever it is that works for you if you just beat it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done that too where I just I saw the story so much all I needed was beats. Right, right. You know? Right. And boom, it still was exactly the same as if I had right. written a twenty page outline right. for it. You know what right. I mean? You have to find what works best for you. Yeah. So that you can get on the page. Yeah, there's no there's no set way to do it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever it is that works for you to get you there. I mean, I I would advise against you just starting right in on fade in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you at least write a two page story on it or something. Mm-hmm. At least know what it looks like, right. you know, in there or something. But um, anyway, so what's what's up?
2: Yeah, I mean, I want to just kind of just us go in a little bit, talk mm-hmm. about writing because those are the things that we you know I yeah miss we need when to we do, do that reads. more. We need yeah, more. we haven't even about, done
1: one of these in fact. Oh, I
2: know. And just reading and talking about it and just. Because really, I know we talk about all kinds of stuff, but really it's the craft of the writing and just good stories. Because like I said, my dream when I was a child is just to have enough money to be comfortable so I could watch movies and relax and just enjoy <laughs> films. I love movies, you know, and TV shows and stuff. Because they just, they allow people who don't probably have access or finances or resources to travel all over the place to see some stuff. And also it gives you opportunity. This is the way I look at It's mm-hmm. like movies and TV shows, they give you opportunities to live many lives, you know. And unfortunately, there were some movies that weren't getting made, so I had to get into the game myself and start mm-hmm. writing my own stuff because I wanted to see something. But overall, I just want writers to just do good stuff because I really I love film and I want to see people out there succeed. True, you know, because films I'm telling you, films and certain TV shows they may change somebody's life or save somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I've been inspired and and have certain things in my life come that way because I was inspired by either a filmmaker or a movie or a TV show that I saw and yeah. um. You know, words words are important, and um, getting you guys to do the best writing possible so that things can happen for you, too, is what I'm really all about. That's
1: what's up. Mm-hmm. So where you at, Lisa Lisa told Jam? You know you can always <laughs> find me on Twitter,
2: <laughs> although probably not so much now because I'm back at work. I'm, I have to wear shoes again now.
1: You uh, well, we have to wear boots. Yeah, there, you? <laughs> so you know, I'm back.
2: You know, I run an outdoor science school, so for the last few months, I've been off and like wearing my my sandals and flip flops and living my beach life. <laughs> but now I got to wear regular shoes, so my feet are really upset. My shocked, oh yeah. my god, they oh my god, and getting used to be back in the altitude and up in the mountains and all the craziness up there. But right. um, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm usually hitting between you know with Geek Soul Brother, who runs uh, Saturday Night Sci Fi um or um graveyard shift sister who sometimes does the friday night horror tags mm-hmm. um do a lot of the 80s live tweet when i get a chance to um with a lot of the black girl nerds um i'm always on the timeline with a lot of crazy a lot of mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. nerdy people who are really 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 smart mm-hmm. uh you can also find me at Bitchflix, and um you can also find me where else can you find me i need to start doing my blog page again so i'll probably bring back i used to have this really good blog page but then i realized that i got busy doing other things so i think i'm gonna bring it back which is basically all the other off-the-cuff stuff i do so it's still called what fresh hell is this if you want to follow me on twitter um i'm what fresh hell is this Mm -hmm. my ode to dorothy parker (laughs) and um yeah, you can find me in
1: some hidden theater somewhere. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guess. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guess. You guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Um, any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. <clears throat> um, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. We need that for the metrics. And um, I'll start giving you guys more shouts out, you know, the more we keep getting for sure. Um, I think that's about all I'm going to give you. Oh, Facebook. Please follow us on Facebook. Oh, God, promote that. I'm just so horrible <laughs> with that. Um, I've got to get an assistant in here. Um, anyway, so we love y'all. We appreciate it. You know how we do it on a rant room. On the show, we keep it real, we keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Lisa? 2016. 2016. Peace, y'all. Ciao.
0: Yeah. In the rant. There gotta be a dope-ass story on the page Let the beast about the cage That light about the dark Can you build the inferno from an itty-bitty spark? Coffee shop hustlers Rise with the cream A million other writers Same Hollywood dream Your pen and paper All like bullets in the gun Write what you feel Say what you want In, in the red room We say So look, if you
1: guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Mm